what you and I are called to do is to lead by example. See, if we're going to live for something more than our agendas to make our own names great, we must be convinced of the truth, the goodness and the beauty that God is on display in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to advance the work of the church. If we're going to sacrifice personal luxuries and advantages in order for the gospel to advance in the church, we must not only see, but experience the truth and the goodness. And so if we lay down our lives for that gospel, that is the important thing that we are to do. lay down your life for the advancement of the gospel? In today's message from Pastor Mark, he reminds you that you are Christ's light in this dark world. You need to remember that you are saved to be a light and a witness to those around you. Just as Christ was called to deny himself, you are also to deny yourself and serve him. Your life is to be about the Lord rather than chasing your own agenda. God has specifically blessed you to be a blessing. Lead by example. Don't just experience God's presence and grace for yourself, but share it with the world. Advance the kingdom by sharing the good news of Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 for today's edition of Come Alive. Every day the first thing I think of when I think, let's just throw it all in is, man, what, what about you? The people I fight for in prayer. The people I have come to love who are my closest friends. I got a lot to lose. There's a lot to lose. You, you could be like, well, gosh, if Mark threw in the towel, then... We're going to throw in the towel. Not that I'm more spiritual than anyone in here. I think some of you are way more spiritual and, and way awesome as Christians, but there's a lot to lose. My kids would look, and I know as they get older, like, well, Dad did it, and so it automatically should be all right for us to do it. It's hard sometimes. Whether it's work or whether it's just whatever it is, it's hard to do these things, and sometimes you just want to toss in the towel. But see, the battle wasn't for an abstract reason or a pile of rocks or for those people who stood beside them. It was for the Lord. And when you fight for the Lord, then the people that stand beside you become more important, and it was for them as well. Look at verse 15. It says, And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. See, the plan worked. The plan worked out. Once the enemy heard that the Jews were aware of their plot, they changed their minds. Nehemiah recognized that God had frustrated their plans. See, he didn't get up there and go, dude, my idea worked. It was awesome. I have got to be the greatest general, governor, whatever I feel to call myself. No, no, no. He said it was the Lord that did it. Look back with me. It says, and God had brought their plot to nothing. He put it in perspective. He knew it was God that had done it, that it wasn't him, that God had, he prayed. God gave him the brain and the wisdom to do what he needed to do by putting people on the wall. The enemy see it and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't going to be as easy as we thought it was going to be. We might want to rethink this a little bit. The enemy knew they would lose. What the enemies wanted was for the people of God to hand them the victory on a silver platter through 
failing to watch and be ready. We are told in the New Testament to pray without ceasing, to watch and pray. Not to pray and then watch, but to watch and pray. We are called to prayer and prayers. A lot of times, a lot of people, I don't know why more people don't pray more often, but it is your source of victory. You're calling upon a power that the world, they have no idea. Guess what? When the crisis passed, there was still work for them to do. But there was a renewed effort. They had a a refreshed spirit. So what happens is they pray. They got this refreshed spirit. Work's still there. You and I know this probably all too well. We have a great weekend. You're like, yeah. And then on Sunday, I remember, man, Sundays I'm like, oh, man, tomorrow's Monday. I got to get up and do it all over again. And we get up and we go to work. And they're like, man, I can't figure out why I have a horrible time. It's like, man, if you had a horrible time, why are you always shocked that at work you're going to have something going? You know, live for the Lord. Just live it out for the Lord. You're still going to have troubles. You're still going to have hiccups. You're still going to have road bumps. But guess what? You're doing it for the Lord. And at the end of the day, you can be like, man, if anything at all today that was good is I did all that for you, Lord. I suffered through that job for you. That crazy guy that works next to me that's constantly stealing my chips and eating my french fries. I did it for you, Lord. See, this was the victory here. Defending against the attack was not the victory. The people of God would not be at peace and security until this wall was rebuilt. But getting on with the work was the victory. Nothing stopped them. Nothing. So we saw that they had a verbal attack. Then they have this threat of war, which is a scary thing. You think about it, you talk to anyone, everybody, I, a lot of people I hear at coffee shops and stuff and all around, oh man, well, what if North Korea launches a missile? Guess what? I know what happened. I'm, I'm not even in the, I've never been in the army. I wanted to be. But I know when somebody launches a missile, I know what happens next. They blow up. What if? It could happen. It's very real. And so a lot of times we have this threat of war. And so a lot of times, Evil mean dictators, they threaten stuff. And, well, sometimes even Christians, when we're threatened, we just hand the victory over. And go, oh, I'm not going to do it here. It's too much trouble here. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. People just doing nothing and losing everything. See, defending against the attack, again, wasn't the victory. Getting on with the work was the victory. So when we're under spiritual attack, it's easy to feel that just enduring the storm is victory, Right? Sometimes you might feel that you just, hey, I just got through it. Woohoo, victory. That's not it. The attack often comes to prevent your progress and your work for the Lord. So victory is enduring the attack and continuing the progress and the work for the Lord. Whatever attack you're going through, don't stop working for God. Don't stop that. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, So it was. From, the, from that time on, that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears. So now you have half the people doing the work and the other half holding the spears. So work has slowed down a little bit. But guess what? Just because it slows doesn't mean it stopped. It just slowed down a little bit. While the other half held the spears, the shields, and the bows. They wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other 
they held a weapon. So there was nothing going to stop these guys. The immediate crisis was averted, but the threat of disruption or attack kind of still hung over the city, especially for those who were working on the wall. In order to guard against the enemy and to boost morale, half of Nehemiah's laborers did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, and bows. They wore their armor. It's hard to work wearing that armor, but I'm sure some of them lended a hand, but they were probably watchful, waiting for the attacks of the enemy. You and I need to be those type of people where we are still doing the work, but we still carry our weapon, and we're still watching for the enemy, waiting for that attack. I think it was yesterday or Friday. Friday, I went to somebody's house over in, in, in old Katy, and I, I had a phone call, and they let me in, and they had tore out all their house, and all their stuff was in the middle of the living room, and they were living back in the home. And I remember the lady said, you know, with this flood, and she goes, did your house flood? I said, no. And she goes, I, I think I have PTSD. And I said, okay, I get that. And I go, what, what do you mean? And she goes, every time it rains, I can't sleep because I think it's going to flood again. I was like, I totally know that feeling because our house flooded just a little bit on the tax day flood and we had to tear out our floors. But every time it rains, I lay there and I'm like, and if it's raining really hard at night, I'm like, I feel like I should get up and just watch the water seep in and ruin. Like I'm just watch everything get lost, right? And here it is, you know. My wife and I had a little bitty shop vac. We're like, and it holds like five or 10 gallons and It'd be coming in the back door, and we'd run the water out the front door, and I was like, oh, it's back, and you're like zipping it up, you know, and, and then finally she goes, you know what, I'm going to bed, and I'm like, going to bed, why are you going to bed, and she was like, because it's going to come in anyway, so I was like, okay, so I sat up, and I watched TV, and watched the water, watched TV, watched the water, watched TV, you know what I do now, I hear the shower turn on, I start looking at the floors, Deacon, I hear water, if that's PTSD, then... I guess I got it. I don't need to see anybody for it. I just need to learn to trust in the Lord and say, all right, either you're going to let my house flood this time or you're not. It's up to you, totally 100%. So in order to guard against the enemy, you know, sometimes we have to do the work. We have to do the work. We got to get back to work. It's time to keep moving. Some of the servants did the work of defending. Some did the work of building. And that's how real life is. The workers had a sword at their side, a trowel in their hands, and they got their work done. And that's what we are to do, is just to get the work done. The kingdom of God is built with both a sword and a trowel. A sword to come against every spiritual force of wickedness in high places, and the trowel or the shovel or the pitchfork or whatever it is of building up the people of God. That's what we as Christians are called to do, is to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ while also, you know, having the sword and knowing that and trusting the Lord. See, some interpreters suggest that the people carrying the rubble actually were carrying, they didn't really have a weapon. They would just drop those rocks and they would pick it up and start chunking rocks. A rock is a very formidable weapon. Think about David. Small rock. Bigger rocks do more damage. They don't go as far, but they can still do some damage. These next verses, 19 through 23, they show us the plans that are made to keep a ready defense. Look with me there. Verse 19 says, Then I said to the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God, notice that if you're a note taker, whatever you may be, if you're a note taker or a highlighter, highlight this. Our God will fight for us. 
I find a lot of comfort in that. I find a ton of comfort in the fact that our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, it says. Half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. You know, when you really think about that, Nehemiah knew that they had to keep in the communication, so they had to develop something. They didn't have cell phones, so what about a trumpet? The trumpets were a new way of communication for them. Well, when you think about it, they were there, and so if somebody was to show up, they'd blow the trumpet. It would be the shofar or whatever it was. They would blow this thing, and you'd be able to hear it for miles away. Verse 20, it says, Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. They stayed ready to sound the alarm at the slightest notice. They weren't going to be caught off guard. And so there's something for preparation. Be prepared. Don't be caught off guard. You know, I find it funny that we don't prepare often enough as Christians. We find ourselves being in shock when something happens. I can't believe this happened. Now, obviously, a flood and a hurricane, we are prepared. We've got radars. We've got things that tell us. But there's certain things you can prepare for. I'm not talking about devastations, things like tornadoes. My son and I have been watching this um, series called uh, Tornado Chasers or whatever, and it's funny to watch these guys chase these storms. But it's also very sad to see the devastation that those storms cause. But some of the people up in the Oklahoma panhandle and stuff like that, they actually have storm shelters. They're prepared. They go underground, you know, and they still lose everything, but they don't lose their lives, the ones who have the storm shelters. And so we need to be prepared. You and I need to be those who are prepared. How can we be prepared? Well, we need to be prepared first and foremost for an attack by the enemy as we've been talking about. How do we do that? We've said it before through God's word. Every day, wake up. Allot yourself some time in the morning to start your day to have some quiet time, some time to pray, some time to read God's word. And maybe you don't understand it, but you know what? If you got a computer, Google it. And make sure you get to a good website. Uh, There are great websites out there that help you. If you you can't and you don't do that and you don't know, don't ever hesitate to ask me or one of the guys here. If we don't know, we'll point you somewhere where we know somebody knows. But don't ever hesitate. Have your quiet time. Prepare yourself. Ready yourself for your day. Because you have no idea what's going to happen. You can make your plans. And we've all had plans before that were thwarted by something. So stay ready. And then verse 21 says, From daybreak until the stars appeared, they dedicated themselves to their work. That was all the more. And there's nothing wrong with being dedicated to your work, working hard from sunrise to past dark, even spending the night out on the job, on that job site to protect against an attack. And then verse 23 says, So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men or the guard who followed me took off our clothes. They kept their clothes on all the time because they didn't want to be caught unprepared. You know, we first got married, my wife and I, she used to laugh that I would sleep in a pair of shorts that actually had pockets in the back pockets and I had a t-shirt on and then, you know, it was kind of, you know, the, probably the first couple of weeks of us being married, it was very difficult for her because I slept with stuff in the bed with me. 
One of the things I slept with was a hammer. And then I had a little light. And she would be like, why do you have, or a, and a book. And she was, and I would put it kind of under a pillow, a middle pillow, so it wouldn't get in her way. But I always had to have that there. And she was like, why, why a hammer? I'm like, dude, just think of the guy who breaks in. He's not going to be expecting somebody to throw a hammer at his face. And she just sat there and she was just like, what? Rolled over and goes to sleep and probably thinking, who did I marry? What have I gotten myself into? You know, and, and so it, those things, I was prepared. And then the other thing, she was like, well, why the clothes? I'm like, just imagine when the guy breaks in, you're standing there. And if he breaks in more than one time on multiple days throughout the week, you're always dressed, ready to go. And they're like, dude, leave that house alone. That guy's always ready with his hammer. It's just weird. It wasn't until just about maybe a year ago I, I really started putting on like some pajamas to sleep in. I've, you know, taken off the day clothing. But hey, I just want to be ready just in case. You never know. You know, my, my other thought was if the rapture came, I didn't want to be like standing in front of Jesus like, sorry, my rubber duck shorts and my Bert and Ernie t-shirt from Sesame Street. Just, I know, no. I'd rather have something, you know, like, Real man of God, you know, something like that. <laughs> like, see, see, Lord? He'd be like, sorry, bro, the T-shirt doesn't make you a Christian. I got a video to play for you of your life. But So working hard from sunup and always being prepared. They didn't want to be caught unprepared. They were always ready to respond at the blast of a trumpet. And that's what I love about the church. That's what I love about this church is we're always ready to respond. I send out a text, hey, anybody working today? And if somebody from here can't do it, some guys from Austin can't, some guys from Austin can't, some guys from Michigan, of all places, traveling many miles to be prepared to help and to help move the gospel forward. And so Christians need to be armed with the same attitude today. We always need to be ready, always clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, always wearing the armor of God, ready for that final trumpet blast that will gather us together with our Lord. See, Nehemiah, one of the things a lot of people will say, and and you might see it on the internet if you look it up, they'll say that Nehemiah was just using the people to make his life more luxurious and to get some type of a raise, but I don't believe that at all. He wasn't using people to make his life better. He was laying his own life down for a cause that was bigger than, well, his reputation. He had a great reputation. See, he's not motivating the people with a song of his own greatness. He's motivating the people with the greatness of God. He tells them in verse 14 to remember the Lord who is great and awesome, that it was the Lord who thwarted the plans of the enemy. He also tells them that God's at work for them doing that. And then he asserts in verse 20 that our God will fight for us. And in addition to pointing the people beyond himself to the Lord, Nehemiah is leading by example as he shows his own willingness to engage in the fight with the trumpeter next to him. See, he's leading by example as he surveys the situation and he makes provision for the people to be defended at the very weak points. For the battle to be joined in case of crisis and for the city to be guarded at night, Nehemiah was prepared. He had given it all to the Lord. See, the extremity of his readiness to sacrifice is then stated in verse 23 as he describes the vigilance and readiness that he, well, that he modeled with his inner circle. And that's what you and I are called to do is to lead by example. See, if we're going to live for something more than our agendas to make our own names great, we must be convinced of the truth. 
the goodness and the beauty that God is on display in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to advance the work of the church. If we're going to sacrifice personal luxuries and advantages in order for the gospel to advance in the church, we must not only see but experience the truth and the goodness. And so if we lay down our lives for that gospel, that is the important thing that we are to do, to lay our lives down. Obedience is hard work. If you ever keep a journal of your life or just reflect on your life, you'll notice that there are going to be many days of pain and difficulty. But let me just warn you with this. To advance the gospel, to advance the gospel is the greatest thing you could ever do. By being an obedient Christian, doing what God calls you to do, people will stop and ask you, why are you doing this? We worked with some guys yesterday, and they were Hindus. And they'd asked me, they said, well, how much are you charging? I said, we don't charge. And he goes, come on. I said, no, we really don't. He goes, it's for free. And I said, yes, it's for free. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, whatever you want us to do. And he looked around and he pointed at the house. He goes, here, let me show you. And he stopped and he looked at this huge pile of trash. And he goes, are you willing to move that trash? I said, we'll move it. He said, really? I said, yeah, we'll move that trash. Where do you want us to move it? To the curb? He said, yeah, could you do that? I said, yes. And we moved it. And then two more guys showed up that were Hindu. And he says, hey, these guys are moving my garbage. And they said, for how much? And he said, no, they do it for free. And I heard him whispering. They were shocked that we were doing it for free. And the guy goes, can you move my garbage? And I was like, sure, we'll move your trash. And a shovel and a wheelbarrow, we did it pretty quick. And they were like, wow. And then more guys were coming. And pretty soon there was like eight guys. I'm like, look, guys, it's going to start costing you some money. And they were like, what? And I was like, I'm just joking. I said, we just don't have enough time. These guys got to get back to Austin. I got stuff I need to do, but we can come back through the week. Will you let us do that? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, cool. And I left as we were leaving. I looked at one of the guys and I said, hey, man, thank you so much. And his wife looked at me and she goes, why are you thanking us? I go, thank you for letting us serve you. And she was like, no, thank you. But you'll be back this week, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I can't make that stuff up. It's a, it, get out there. You'll see it yourself. You'll experience some neat people. You'll get to make new friends. And it's also a really awesome way because when we go back this week, some of the guys I'm going back with, we'll be witnessing to these guys, telling them about Jesus Christ and telling these other people why they shouldn't worship a cow as I eat a hamburger. You're like, I'm eating your God. You know that, right? No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. But we're gonna, we are going to witness to them. We're going to share Jesus Christ with them. And we will do it first by working and doing those things. And then we will speak with our words in our mouths. Are you aware how valuable you are to the kingdom of God? You are. Whoever you are and whatever you do is exactly as God intended it to be. He decided long before you were born just what talents you would have and what your unique contribution to the kingdom would look like. No one else can do what you do. And no one else can reach others with the joy and hope of the gospel message like you can. It doesn't matter if you work in the ministry or have a secular job, if you're a student or a professional, or if you're still figuring out God's path for you. Today, you can do great things for Him. We're so glad you joined us today for Come Alive, and we hope the message you've just heard was a blessing to you. Before we go, we'd like to share an opportunity for you to be a part of what we're doing here at Come Alive. Here's Tracy with more information. Thanks, Chris. Each edition of Come Alive that you hear has been professionally produced to minimize any distractions from the message of hope only God can bring. 
While we offer this program for free to our listeners, there are costs involved on our end. Would you pray about joining us as financial supporters of Come Alive? Any and all amounts are useful and so appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Thanks, Tracy, and thank you for joining us today for Come Alive.